Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. I'm an interviewer and a broadcaster. And what you're about to hear is one of the 1,400 interviews I conducted over a 30-year period for nearly all major media outlets in Ireland. But please allow for the fact that many of the interviews were done for the print media and recorded on cassette tapes. So some are, let's say, sonically challenged. But sonic considerations should give way to historical significance, I believe. And I'm glad to say that at least some powers that be in RTE Radio 1 agreed with me on this and broadcast between 2015 and 2018 many of my interviews in a series called The Joe Jackson Tapes Revisited. What follows is a program I was going to broadcast in that series but never did. And this podcast differs in one major sense from all those shows. Look at it this way. Hot air blowing as this may sound on my behalf, it actually was editor Niall Stokes who said in 1988 that I brought, quote, psychology to the hot press interview. I think he should actually have said psychological probing. Either way, that had always been one of my idiosyncrasies, and it still is. And given that Tommy Tiernan began doing on TV in 2019 the kind of psychologically probing interview I did with him in 2004, I reckoned that maybe fans of the man might find it more interesting to hear the tapes we did uncut and minus my usual revisionist narration. I also decided to steal from an e-book I wrote based upon my interviews with Tori Amos, the phrase soul-searching and uncensored. I realised it applies as much to him as it did to Tori. But before I sit turning down in Joe Jackson's psychiatrist's chair, no, I'm not a shrink, but that was a phrase Nod Stokes used as a subheading for an interview I did. Let me say this. Near the end of the first half hour, when Tommy, who was born in Donegal and 35 at the time of this interview, and I discussed the nature of the religious calling that, well, called out to us both as teenagers, I suggest that part of this spiritual craving probably sits at the soul of my interviews. I now believe that the same is true of everything Tommy Tiernan has done or will do. Part two of this interview will follow in a week or so. If you want to read the original article that came out of this chat, check joejacksoninterviewer.com. Tommy Tiernan, October the 15th or something, 2004. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a line from your thing. This is discussed. This is like the essay you were giving when you came oh, out. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, the, you know, the, the use of religious imagery in the works of Gerard. Yeah, no, that's not it. That's not this. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not this one. Right, there's comedy as a medium for revenge. We can deflate and punish the pomposity and the rejection that hurt us. Comedy is power. Did I say that? No, you didn't. Did Joan Rivers said it to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Joan Rivers said it to me about two weeks ago. All right. So what about that element of comedy being revenge, power and control and getting back? I mean, is that part of the urge? Yeah, there is. Yeah, those, like, the, the, one, the example that uh, leaps to my head originally is the, the story I used to do a few years ago about my Latin teacher. Okay. Uh, and I, I had uh, a teacher who uh, I didn't see eye to eye with. Um, and I guess my doing the story then was my way of, you know, he had a crack at me for four years. About what? About just stupidity? No, I think it was just he was um, uh, he was somebody who's, um, I'm dancing between crocodiles here now, he was somebody who um, uh, I uh, uh, do you have to be careful what you say? Oh, do yeah, I don't. I do, yeah, I do have to be careful. I don't. I don't certain because you know when you're giving an opinion of somebody, is that libelous? No. All right, then he's no, a, no, he, he was a mean spirited. Yeah, no, that's not libelous. Uh, no. A mean spirited 
uh, bully of a teacher. Okay. Did he physically bully you and mentally? The whole class. With, 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 with things. Right. Pencils. Like what? With pencils? Like sticking a pencil in your head and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, Puncture your ego. Yeah, that's it. Just, 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 just. <laughs> Probably had that effect. Probably that we were all too hot. So How old would you have been at that stage? Uh, between the ages of 11 and 15. And what kind of impact did he that? He marked us. Yeah, no, but it can do. Yeah. I mean, I've had those teachers. I was lucky I stood up to one. Yeah. You know, that was the best thing I read in the class, you know, and then it never happened again. <laughs> but I know what it, it did to other guys who were, you know. It would break your ego. It would chip at your self-esteem. It would make you ill-equipped for going out to the world. We were so terrified of that class. Right. Uh, really, really terrified of it, you know. And it was... Um, me creating a story about it then was a story about the fear yeah and it was a story about um in a way and then it was the the older me looking back yeah. and confronting this man as a man and saying when i was a boy i wasn't able to do that okay right? but now from my manhood i can i can call you as i see you but you know which is in, within your act on a stage you wouldn't go and confront him physically no i met him physically on the street what did you feel like doing this? Well, I just tried to give him the. I was shy and retiring, and I. Uh, yeah. You were now, were you? I was, yeah. Did I take out a pencil? No, I didn't, no. no. Do you want to? But see, I'm a Scottish Pimpernel. You know, oh, right. you know, okay. you have to be. Uh, I'm cloaked. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I go at them at night. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> and they never know who it no, is. No. But you wouldn't. Would you not like to verbally just oh, tell him what he. I mean, he knows now. He'll yeah. know now. But you know, he, I mean, he stupidly mark children unnecessarily or whatever. Um, he uh, would like to. I guess I've often thought that you know, people who, who write love songs, who sing about love all the time, are the piece, people least able to live loving lives. That's what Bob Dylan doesn't write love songs. He writes hate songs. Yeah, you know. Um, I've often thought about Bono like that actually. I've often thought about about, about you know, oh, I love you, you love me, love is the most important thing in the world. Love is the sweetest thing. Yeah. And that, I, you, I, I imagine you're only able to do those type of things if you realise your own short... It's, what you're trying to do in your art is, is make up the gap that you feel in your life. But you felt that gap in your life. I remember I read an interview with you five years ago, and that's when I first said I wanted to talk to mm. you, just to myself. I talked to myself sometimes, long before Yvonne, long before anything. And you said that about you, you know, that when you went to one therapy, one style of therapy, maybe young, that it was about unravelling the ability to love and love yourself. Yeah. And, you, and that line is still in your new show. Yeah. You know, are you the bollocks who kind of hates, says, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you to the neighbour because you're saying it to yourself? Is that still you? Because With a low self-esteem, you know what I mean? That's absolutely, your joke. Absolutely, yeah. That, well, that's, yeah. you know, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't think, I, that joke didn't come out of fresh air. No. All right. You know, um, there's, uh, yeah, I did, yeah, but, you know. But do you still feel that? Do you secretly hate your neighbour? Rather than love your neighbour. That's the joke, that's the line. How do you mean hate my neighbour now? Well, the way you know you say, you know, I mean, we're told to love your neighbour as thyself, but yeah. what if you don't love yourself? Yeah. So that you then hate your neighbour, and you go look over the head and say, fuck off, fuck off, fuck off, fuck off, to everybody. No, I, I'm not like that. Are no, you not? No. All right, okay. No. No. That was more a comment on the state of Israel. Was it? Was it really? <laughs> but you're not, you're not a totally loving person. Uh, who is? Yeah. There was one totally loving person who lived, and what happened to him? Okay. You know? <laughs> Another thinner, thinner fella. Who didn't wear heels on his shoes. No. There's, there's, a, there's a piece in the new show about actually, so we, we were given a choice. That this creature, uh, able to love perfectly, arrived. And as a, as a mass, we said, give us Barabbas. Okay. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so. But is that your view of the human condition? That what? 
that, 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 that we're all Barabbas. We, yeah, but we would be more happier to embrace Barabbas, whether it's now or before, than we were Jesus. Do you know why? Because Jesus would have meant change, and Barabbas was more the same. All right. That's why. And I think we're, we're very uncomfortable with change. Because changes are, you, there are, people, I, I think we're afraid of change because we think it's an earthquake. And we just, we, even though the house we're in, we're, it's not the greatest foundation in the world, we're kind of, you know, we can sleep there. All right. right? And we, we, in, we kind of think, well, if I lived in this other house, it'd be much, much better. But I prefer not to have to go through the earthquake in order to get there. And I think most of us are afraid of that, I think. It's a skewed view of the world. It's a skewed view? Yeah. Isn't you think it? so? I, I don't do. think so. I, do think, I think there's a cynicism in you. you no, I'm, no, I don't. No, no, no there isn't. There is no well, cynicism in there you. there is, yeah. I have one eye squinting and one yeah. eye yeah. open. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but where, I mean, you joke in the show too about getting fucked up in school. Was it school? Or the religious uh, stuff in your act is huge. It's yeah, a huge it is, yeah. element of it. It's like yeah. Lenny Bruce. You know what I mean? It's central. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you go, you go at it from every conceivable angle. Yeah. You know, and more you have to evolve, obviously. So how central was that to fucking you up, if anything fucked you up? I mean, did, did that, did Jesus leave the mark? Because I know this, this quest, and I know you have a spiritual quest, and I know you've explored the Christian communities, Buddhism, yeah. so obviously it's, there's a kernel inside you. The, the, the way it marked me the most was as, I, I was as a teenager, and I got, uh, I was sent away to a boarding school, a religious okay. boarding school, and I, well, I, yeah, I was sent away to a religious boarding school when I was 16. Okay. And uh, two things happened. I think one was that I, um, uh, I, everybody, I think most teenagers go through this in a, a time of panic, 12 months of panic. And I went through mine, and mine was uh, had to do with putting up with a girl okay. and uh, a, a believing that I ought to be a Christian. And the type of Christianity I had at that time was a very austere, punishing, um, kind of a loveless Catholicism, which is it's kind of like a, a, it was kind of like as if my my invisible best friend was a Russian penitent monk, okay. right? Who was given out to me the whole time. I I, I have to be more like this, and I have to be more like that, and that's and that was really depressing. And but where did you inherit the Russian penitent monk? I don't know from because there. Why didn't you I, get a sweet? Well, I tried to. I tried to. I was torn between. Uh, I didn't know if I, I didn't know if I wanted to be Gandhi or Mike Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so they met in the middle. One eye open, the other eye open. <laughs> so that's that's. But what? But it was that kind of religious severity part of your fam family? Not at all. No, we're we're uh, right. a religious. Really? really? Yeah. So then yeah. you should have been liberated at that level. You should have been liberated. From but maybe maybe, kind of maybe the kind of the penitency was something that I had never experienced. Oh, yeah. So it was something that struck me as as fresh and new and something that I ought to be. Was this though what that teacher or other teachers in school was talking about espousing? Because this No it wasn't no they, that they, stranglehold should have been let go by the time you were fourteen, fifteen, sixteen no. in school. See I I wasn't religious at all. We yeah. were up in after the age of about ten mass wasn't a, a feature for, in our for house. the family. Yeah no it wasn't. who else is in the family with show me? Uh, many kids? I've I've two younger sisters and one younger brother. All right, okay. And mum and dad, are they still alive? They're both good people, yeah. They're yeah, both, okay, uh, but were they, they weren't pushing mass on you? Not at all, no. They didn't go to the no. church. So I came to this thing. Religion to me was an alternative to my parents. Okay. I, when I went out to the islands... This is at, at 16? At 16. Yeah. And I came back, for, I was there for uh, four or five days, and I came back. And who was that group? Father Darren Malloy, who... Okay. He, he was a teacher in Dundalk, and he left. He was a priest as well, and he left 
to try and uh, I guess there's a history of Irish religious people going to ex extreme places yeah. and trying to yeah. make communities out there. You know, in a, yeah, there ab is. abandoned hills and stuff like that. There's always yeah. you find the f religious forts and stuff like yeah. that, or little cabins. Um, and uh, I came back. I was spent four or five days out in this place, and I came back to my parents. And one of the things that the people now, in hindsight, you know, places like that attract uh, places outside society attract attract people outside society yeah. um, and so it was more filled with it was there was the ratio of authentic spiritual people you could lean on right. to people you couldn't was about one to eight okay right, right. Um, but one of the things something one of them said to me kind of struck me says in order to find out what's important to you in your life you have to let go of everything Okay. okay. And the things that are important. That's like Buddhist, that's the Buddhist. Yeah. And the things that are important will come back. Right. And the things that aren't important will stay away. So this is the sentence I clung to. Right? Okay. So I arrived back at home. And it's still a week to go with the Easter holidays. I'm 16. Right? Okay. So I said to my parents, uh, I'm going to let go of everything. And they're not having a clue what I'm talking about. This is their worst fear. I told them I was going to this religious community. And they're like, well, okay. Did they just say that, well, okay? Yeah, yeah. Right. And it's from, you know, wait, let me, at 16, hitch from Navan okay. uh, to Ville. Uh, and get a boat out from West Seville. So they were quite very tolerant, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I let go of everything. Oh, so I have to see you go. <laughs> so one or the other. Yeah. The pack had me pack my bags. Here's, here's some Walking extra money. Down to the gate. <laughs> Off you go now. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, so my idea of letting go was everything, of letting go of everything, was to sit at the, I, I had a table in my bedroom. And the vision I had was I was going to sit at the table in the one position, right? I was going to let go of cleanliness, I was going to let go of food, I was going to let go of all my interaction with the human being, everything. I was just going to be, I was going to stay at this table, in, so it's ridiculous, in this position for as long as it took, just with my, with my hands down like that. And about, I got it started in the morning and about half past three in the afternoon my dad came in to me and said, what's going on? And I said, uh, I'm letting go of everything. <laughs> so, get out. I'm letting go, you're in the way. <laughs> but you're in that equation, Dad. <laughs> and uh, I, did, I caved in by dinner time. Did you? Yeah, I did. But, <laughs> and did you give up that then, that whole idea? I mean, that no, that still stays with me. And what, what happened was, it's odd, because what happened to me, I, I, I took on this whole religious yeah, thing. Um, I had decided I was going to leave school that summer. I was sent away because I had basically failed all my exams in St. Pat's and that. And my, my idea was, that uh, the deal was I was going to go to this boarding school because I'd always told my parents the reason that I didn't work at home was because there was too many children and how could and I wasn't looking for an excuse really yeah, right. so they sent me off to this boarding school to repeat my pre-leaving cert year so I arrived at the school and in the Christmas exams I did fantastic I did I came 5th out of 84 which is really good you know at Easter just before Easter I discovered this religious thing went over there for Easter came back and from Easter to the summer holidays I, one of the things we did I set up this magazine in the school and it was all about anti-apartheid and so it was really condescending stuff and you know right. graffiti and articles from Father Dara and stuff like right. that and um, uh, I boycotted the summer exams um, my idea was I was going to leave school and I was going to the line I had was I was going to set up all these organisations to help the world okay. okay so I had a big party are you sure you're not fun I'm positive yeah. I'm not <laughs> don't have money <laughs> Right? Don't have his money. No, I, uh, so I, I, that was the idea. So we set up this magazine 
and I was going out with the girl at the time, and it was this. I thought you'd left. I thought part of your reaction to a breakup was to go. No, no, to the, no, no, no. This is before. This is this is while everyone. Oh, right. This was going to Ireland the first time was part of the bloom, okay. the first bloom. And I oh, came okay. back from Ireland. Did you go with her? Did you go? No, with I didn't. No, no, no. Okay, right. It was spring into summer. Right. It was fantastic. I came back. I was in Ballinasloe's. The grounds of the boarding school were fantastic. The whole the line I used, the whole place was humming with power. It was it was brilliant, and I, my hair was long and curly. And it was just everything was fantastic, and I was leaving school, and I felt I felt righteous. Okay. So I didn't do didn't bother with my exams, um, and uh, they had a big party for me, and a big huge cake, and good luck, Tommy, on your walk of life from all these girls down the local convent. It was fantastic. And then during the summer, I'd, I'd hitch up to Ballinasloe to see this girl, and we used to do an abandoned um, railway sleeper, not a railway sleeper, a, 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 a container. Oh, okay. And just a big kind of industry yeah. in the f- in a field, and we stayed there. It was just it was fantastic. Then my report card came home. I hadn't told my parents yet that I was leaving school. My report card comes home, and zero and everything, just like it had been twelve months previous. And my parents, after shelling out, so a big fucking conniption. So, so you didn't even get four percent. Less than nothing. Boycotted them all. <laughs> and the daddy didn't have to say, "Tell me it's no, four out of five." No. <laughs> okay. So my dad says to me, "What do you want to do?" And I said to him, I want to leave school and I want to set up all these organisations to help the world. And he said, okay. And I chickened out. All right, okay. I said, maybe I, I'm not sure. I don't know. Did you say no immediately, or did you? Can't remember. I can't remember. But that's what. Did he know you were going to say? Maybe he's a good poker player. But for, my father used to always say, Tom, you're a martyr without a cause. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. A rebel without a cause. <laughs> so, uh, so they gave me that opportunity. So, that's how, so anyway, so the onset of winter, autumn in Balmaslow, back to the school, slightly less uh, yeah. noble than when I'd left. Yeah. I'm coming back. I thought you were leaving. No, I'm back. Teachers, what are you doing back here? I thought you were here. Because I'd done so badly on all my exams, I had to go... Uh, to be re-interviewed by the president of the school, who's now the head of Trokra, um, John Kirby, okay. um, to see if I could, if he'd let back into the school. There was, I was pally with another guy, um, a good friend of mine called Mark Byrne, as well, at the time. And the, we were kind of a little item together, you know, as one of those kind of very close friendships that you have as a teenager. And the two of us, we went out to Aaron together, and we were supposed to leave school together. So he... You just lovers. Not at all. No, okay. we, we, people thought we were, but no, no. We're just, we're just, we just formed this really, really strong. People do assume that at a time, don't yeah, they? But I mean, this is, yeah, but it was just a fantastic bond between the two of us. Uh, he left the school, and he actually just, he just re-enrolled in another school in Dublin, and, and that was that. So in order for me to come back into the into the boarding school, the president said to me that um, if it wasn't for you, Mark Byrne would still be here in the school, and the reason he left is because of you. We're only allowing you back onto the, into the school on probation, and one of the you're on probation until Christmas. And one of the the two things you have to do one is you have to excel at your studies again, and the second thing you have to is you are not allowed to talk. And this it sounds daft when you say it to a teenager, it sounds important, but listen to it as adult, it sounds ridiculous. It says you're not allowed to talk to any of the other students about religion or about uh, politics or anything like that. You're to stay well clear of that. Just those subjects. Yeah, because I think he thought that I'd. You'd already taken. You were going to be a propagandist or something. Something like something. that, and, and yeah. a bit, because of the magazine as well yeah. that, that I kind of put together, and I was the editor of it and stuff like that. So that was part of the deal. Uh, and that 
I would say October, November of that year, that's when myself and the girls split up. So it was a combination of the kind of the wings being gone from everything. I was, I was, the previous six months earlier, I, yeah. I was on the upward journey of this magnificent flight. The weather was fantastic. Yeah. I liked my hair. Yeah. The, everything was good, you know. And I came back and everything just collapsed. The, the, I, as part of the religious thing, I started, um, there was a society in the school called St. Vincent de Paul. And I took it upon myself to visit the local, there's a big psychiatric hospital in Banisloe, and I took it upon myself to visit uh, a ward in the psychiatric hospital. And I used to go out there two or three days a week after school. On my, and when I think about it now, the, they shouldn't have let me um, to visit this ward of long-term psychiatric patients. And I would just sit there for maybe 45 minutes to an hour, three or four days a week. Uh, with men who were so, severely depressed and medicated people, and all these things just started having a, and that's when that's when the kind of the Russian penitent monk appeared. All right. He he definitely been Gandhi, Mike Scott before, but now he'd kind of changed into this bearded, dour creature, and things got worse and worse and, and more serious, and the weather was terrible, and it was always raining, and the girls started going out with another fella who was right. in my in my school as well, and it was just everywhere. I, I was just being hounded wherever I went by. And had you been telling head. her about this monk? Would you have shared oh, that with her? Would she, or the Russian? Yeah, would no, she no, have no, known no, about all the no. shadows that were creeping in no. around you? No, no, okay. no. Okay. Um, Why didn't you talk with a girlfriend at that level in those then? Was that just not it just, that I, don't, I started going to a counsellor in... Uh, I asked, I can't remember how I did it, but there was a, 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 a social worker in the This town. is after that set of circumstances. Yeah, this is in the winter now. Uh, and I started... I started seeing this social worker in the town, a man, and I... I remember sitting in there and not being, tell, being able to tell him about... It was like, the, the way it was, I, it was a way of just punishing myself, you know, of, of it was, a, what I'd done is I, this, uh, I had found a way to attack myself without knowing how to defeat it, right, so I was constantly being, being attacked and stuff like that, and anyway, so it was like that for about, I would say, it was funny, probably until the following spring. How long did you go to him for? Not for, I went in about four or five times. Was and it. did it help after? Did it, did yeah. it help? No, it didn't, no. Oh, okay. I mean, he was at... Did he just listened then and let you... He was... He, was uh, he may have been at sea as well, you know, I don't really... Um, um, I, mean, no. I was in English class, uh, coming up to the spring again, and I read this poem by George Herbert called The Collar. Right. And it started off with... The first line was, I struck the board and cried no more, I will abroad. Oh, yeah. And as soon as I said, fuck it, that's it, it's gone. All the stuff that you were carrying around? All the religious stuff said, I'm not, that doesn't interest me anymore. So I left it. And I'd say a single line of a poem could yeah. galvanise you that way? Absolutely. Right, okay. And I've read it loads of times before. All right. Uh, All right. And I just, I clicked into it and I said, that's it, I'm not doing it. And it probably took about another, it probably took another year for to, to go completely. And in a, way, in, in a way, it probably hasn't gone entirely. Yeah. Uh, but the severity of it has started weakening. As soon as that sentence hit me, I said, that's it. I don't, I don't have to do this. All right. Uh, did the girlfriend leave or did she come back? Oh, no, she was, no, that was, that was another country. Was it? Yeah, she was, she was. Uh, but she was did done. you become an attractive option to women then? Or did, I know, were they afraid, no. were they kind of keeping their distance because of either what they'd heard, the involvement in the religious stuff, or no. that you were just 
whatever. A friend of mine has this, has this great line, he says, the only type of women who are interested in a man with no prospects is a woman with no prospects. All right, okay. <laughs> All right. But we're not so, going to talk about it, but you did get involved with a woman at that point, and that lasted a decade, didn't it? Uh, well, the, the shortly after, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and you had you, you became a daddy yeah. within a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly, you know, you didn't not engage with the female of the species, or you didn't not believe in life enough to go have a child. Well, it wasn't so much that I didn't believe that there's no belief in life or anything like that, you know. I think uh, um, there's a, sometimes there's a bigger wisdom inside us than we're aware of, and we do things and create situations uh, that we only really see the wisdom of uh, afterwards, you know. Um, and uh, But did I read somewhere that, that you were overwhelmed by becoming a daddy and you sought therapy again? Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. Well, I was 24 when I became a dad. By that, by that stage. But in those years between 16 and 24, was all the, by, we'd say, a year after saying, oh, no more. Yeah. Did it all go, and did you have a kind of, were you as happy as you had been on the spring riding no. in that year? No, 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 definitely not, no. Probably didn't find that again until I was, uh, I don't know, I think maybe, it might sound too odd, but there was probably a, uh, a shadow created there and then. That that the winter of uh, 1986. This is the shadow of the 16th year. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the, Even though you said I'm rid of this, I'm rid of this. It's well, gone. I, no, what I had to get rid of was the, was the kind of okay. the, the the Catholic aspect to it. I said I am not I am not going to read any more of these books. Oh. I am not going to try and be this. I am not going. I said I'm going to stop. But the shadow had been born. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's all. But how did there. it manifest itself in you? Were you were you guilt ridden? Were you kind of were you I went kind of played with questions and no, everything? I went to uh, when I, I left school and I moved down to Cork, and I started to work with the Simon community down there okay. as a part time worker. And I went for an interview to be uh, a full time worker. And they, they said to me halfway through the interview, and I just was a bad day. You should be calling us. What they said to me was um, halfway through the interview they go. Uh, now it wasn't so much. It was much to do with the geography of where I was, because. They were sitting against a window, and the sun was shining down on me like right. this. And was, I just—it was my birthday. And I just got my ear pierced, and I wasn't feeling like fucking well. <laughs> what an excuse for the picture, right? <laughs> and they said, um, "Do you suffer from depression yourself, Tommy?" And as soon as you said that, I hadn't got the job. Um, and what did you say? I can't remember. But, but, but I, did you? You did, didn't you? But, uh, you, I, suffered I, from, you suffered from shadows, whatever your name sh- you want to Shadow, to. yeah. But I think yeah. every, you know. I, I don't I don't I don't believe in it's certainly a condition of, of late teens yeah and and, the, and the, this tunnel you refer to for your son yeah of going through the t- it's a tunnel of adolescence and yeah. the tunnel of how do I fucking change from a young boy into a man and into a man also who, who is in a relationship and becomes a father yeah we're not always equipped at 24 for those roles no we're not you know for the demands of, of growing up that quickly well you don't so, that quickly so did you what did you answer did you say yes I do I can't remember what I said, but I, I, I because it, my own response wasn't as interesting to me as the question. Okay, and then they gave you this, the card with the number on it and said, call us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> if you ever, if you ever time. Talk about a job application going yeah. arseways. <laughs> you know. But what, you still obviously were driven by those urges. I mean, at that stage you were not looking to performing, you were still looking to in an altruistic um, serving the priesthood job priesthood social worker psychiatrist that's but never the pre- you didn't seriously consider no I did yeah did I did you? I went to their dentist and I um, uh, I had the head of their dentist to visit my parents um, okay. uh, and they were um, 
I went on a weekend retreat with them uh, and stuff like that when I was this is what after I'd left school and everything. So they were I was I was gearing up to join them. Oh, yeah. yeah, and the, the reason I didn't join them was because I didn't do well enough in my leaving search. And they needed oh, okay. they needed people to be able to, they, a priest needed to be able to go into college. Oh yeah, okay. To study theology. And my, my leaving cert results wouldn't have uh, qualified me for that. So did that, disapp- did that disappoint you? I can't. I, you know, you're 18 and you're. Yeah. I, I think it habits you intensely. <coughs> six weeks, three months, and then. But you see, there you're saying that from 16 or 17, within a year, yeah. goodbye, I rid myself of all this, but within another year, you're I'm still. Drunk. You know what I mean? You're yeah. still saying, I'm, even, I'm, I'm not only back, but I may go and become a priest. It's probably. That right. declaration was probably just a, a, a momentary. Uh, Volcanoes. It was abrupt then. Zit no more. Uh, at eighteen. No, but I'm, at, this is I was seventeen when I wrote. All right. So when you didn't get the priesthood, or you didn't go for that, and you realised you couldn't go for that. How do you? Because I always ask, you know, when a boxer is a boxer for years and then they stop, how do they discharge the energy? Yeah. Well, some of them start boxing their wives. Yeah. As we've recently read. Yeah. And it's the same with to me a religious calling. I, I sat in for the, with Christian brothers and went to the yeah. whole thing for going for a priest. But my dad just laughed at the aspirations. I fuck off out and play. Yeah. When I told him. And you're only fucking 16 to go, he must be right, I'm wrong. Yeah. So that was the end of that. But I, something of it lingers. I mean, in the job I do, yeah. interviewing people, it's yeah. some kind of something yeah. pushing through you, you know, to get real communication, real connection. So how did you discharge it then at 18? Did you suspend it all and focus on the family? Well, no, so, is that it? Um, no more. No, uh, I hooked up with some people in Galway, uh, and I lived there, and I was signing on. Right. Uh, and I just did that for about three years, two, four years. Did what? what Nothing. I thought I played snooker all day. Did you? I scooped at 11 o'clock in the morning, 11 or 12. Uh, went to a snooker hall, played there from 2 till 7. Uh, for three years? Yeah, at least. At least three years. Okay. Uh, and what kind of three years was that? That was fantastic. You were... It was because it was, I was living with students as well and other people oh, yeah, who were on yeah. the job. Yeah. Um, so it was a community of. Uh, it was nothing. It was nothing. No it, prospects. It's fantastic. Galway is a city that can tolerate that. Oh, yeah, it used yeah, to be yeah. anyway. You know, yeah. Galway was the yeah. kind of thing where everybody I knew had signed on or was signing on, was about to sign on. I was 20, just gone 20, and I was long term unemployed. Because if you're on the door for 18 months, that was it. You become a long term yeah. unemployed. Um, and it was just. And it didn't eat at you, it didn't erode you, you didn't no. think, where the fuck am I going with this? No. No, it didn't. Um, yeah. Every now and again. But, you know, they were great, great days. Group was living together, very little money. Any extra money I had was gone on snooker. They used to let me play in a slate, basically, and I'd pay my bill. Um, you'd, you'd play somebody for the lights. So you get these guys coming in with jobs and stuff like that who play during their lunch break or oh, yeah, play okay. uh, afternoons they weren't working, and you play for the lights. Um, and the lights would be about maybe four or five quid uh, a, a game, you know. All right. Um, so when did you grow up and out of that? When did you decide... When you became a parent, I have Probably, a yeah. What am I going to do? Because you can't, you can't pull all day if you've got a kid. No, no. So what am I going to do? So, yeah. So is that when the reality changed? That's when I started, yeah. Uh, At 23, 24. Yeah. Wow. And then I started doing stand-up when I was 26. But you also went into that second bout of therapy after becoming a daddy. Did yes. That, did that help? What was he or she? No, like? he was a nut. Oh, was he? he was a guy, I just read, he was a little ad in the Galway Advertiser. Right. right, and he didn't, he didn't, and you know, I think part of me didn't want it to work because I picked the guy who had no letters after his name. <laughs> so it's just all this guy. Right, right. You still uh, had that pen and monk on your fucking shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Joe Jackson here again. I thank you for listening to this edition of the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast. More can be heard on my website, joejacksoninterviewer.com.